Hey everyone, today we're going to be talking with Anoka about DMT and spiritual awareness. Ano? Uh, welcome, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Obia Anoka, uh, the term Obia is the term for a shaman in Jamaica. Oh, okay. And that's where my lineage comes from. So I've claimed the term Obia rather than shaman. Very cool. But it's... I like the way OBS sounds. <clears throat> it's actually the root for where George Lucas gets Obi for Obi-Wan. Oh, snap. Boom. <laughs> yeah. Star Wars for us. <clears throat> Got it. That's cool. Um, I am a spiritual practitioner. When I say shaman, because all of these things you have to redefine for yourself. If mm. you're going to use a word, you should define what it means so like for me, a shaman is one who's connected to the spiritual side. They have their own means for that connection. And then they use that connection for the health of the soul of the tribe. Okay. Right. <clears throat> I understand the tribe to be humanity. Right. All of humanity is one family. Mm -hmm. So that's my tribe. And I use my connection to the spiritual realms to help heal the soul of the tribe. Gotcha. Yeah, I think I think most people can get down with that. So shaman, I guess to some people, uh, might red flag them. Right, like they're like, oh, no, shaman, <clears throat> like magic. Can you elaborate on that? Like, so, like, what a shaman in every society, every culture, they have the office of the shaman. <clears throat> Our office of the shaman goes to the psychologist now. Because that's really what a shaman does. A shaman helps heal the psyche of the individual and of their tribe. But they do it through ways that seem nutty to us. Unconventionally. Because they're in contact with non-physical intelligences that have some effect on our realm. And they use that contact the same way that if I was going to ask a friend for help mm -hmm. and they help me. Exact same thing that you do with your non-physical intelligences. Yeah. It's interesting you bring up psychology because there's some psychology people that have studied the use of psychedelics and DMT. And they say that, you know, uh, that they, they tie in heavily. Like uh, for one example, there's a, um, there's a documentary called The Mind Explained that mm -hmm. goes through kind of the, the medical history of, uh, of the study of psychedelics before Reagan um, commenced the war on drugs. But right. one of the psychiatrists said that some of the people that were taking, um, you know, psychedelics such as LSD, DMT, were experiencing radical changes in their behavior, you know, whether it be they, they were quitting alcoholism or <coughs> these things. So, th so she said, you know, years of psychotherapy wasn't able to breach what some of these things were able to breach in, in just a matter of moments. Right. <coughs> so what, what is that? Like, well, the human brain is a receiver. Right? It's basically a receiver. Mm -hmm. And when you have these experiences, it just changes what you receive. So if you're pulling in a particular frequency, I know that it sounds strange, right? But like a radio station, right? If you're turned into a radio station, you're listening <coughs> to certain songs. Well, you switch the station, you listen to different songs. Well, if you consider those songs to be the urges and thoughts that arise within you, and to be an alcoholic is to moment after moment have the desire to drink alcohol. 
so much so that it overpowers your other desires. Mm-hmm. So if you change your frequency and the songs coming in don't have the desire for alcohol, then you don't reach for alcohol anymore. Right. Well, man, it makes a lot of sense because there's things we do. And uh, what's the Josh? Someone just mentioned that recently that we interviewed. How when you for like you you encounter an event that might irritate you, but afterwards that event has already subsided. Do you remember that? Yeah, Stephen said I forgot who oh, yeah, uh, it was. But there was actually a study done that shows that. Uh, your emotions uh, have a shelf life of, I believe, ninety seconds. And if, if you, if, for example, if you're ma- mad for longer than ninety seconds, you're making a conscious effort to be, to be upset. Yeah. So people just stay tuned to that, right? See, so, <clears throat> so, like this, that actually really segues into one of the things I realized. <clears throat> so, you don't begin thinking until you grab on to that emotion. So let's say you have an emotion and that first 90 seconds, the emotions exist, exists. Mm-hmm. You're not thinking about it yet. It's not until you grab onto that and hold it in the place where it lasts longer than 90 seconds that you've begun to think about a thing. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> so that first flash of something in your awareness isn't thinking yet. You're not, it's not you yet. It's presented to you. It's our monkey brain. <laughs> it, it's it's I mean because you know we take in I don't know what the numbers are but let's say we take in ten thousand bits of information but we're aware of five hundred right well there's some force that selects from that ten thousand to the five hundred we're aware of mm-hmm. and if we can get that thing to just change what it gives us then we don't have to be angry like we can choose our emotional state because in that 10,000 bits of information are all types of feelings and experiences and information. And, and angst surrounds us. So <laughs> so where do we change that? Oh, the is, angst? Is it, the angst. Is it, is it dialing out? Someone uh, who, who said to tune in, not drop out, but tune in. Oh, no, that was your, your friend Mark. Uh-huh. To, he said, don't tune in and drop out. He said, to, tune in and integrate was what he said, which I liked. So it's not necessarily... <laughs> Don't just run away from all the problems, but mm-hmm. just react to them differently. So, I mean, it's definitely react to them differently, right? <clears throat> from the spiritual point of view, there's some overarching order that holds reality together. Because if, if everything was random, then nothing would exist. For them. Right? Because... For something to be random, it can't have a memory. Because if you have a memory and you're making selection based on the past, it's not random anymore. Mm -hmm. So then there's got to be some force that moves it from random to real. I think I lost my train of thought right there. That's okay. We can also at any time edit. Okay. Come back. (laughs) (laughs) No, we're stuck with that. So you can have a minute to process and then move. Okay. Uh, refresh me a little bit where I was. So, I was. so, so as far as like tuning in, that you said the 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 universe isn't random. It's right. Okay. So right. So there is a there's a per, there's a there's a perfect order that's there. Mm-hmm. And if you want to really understand life, you have to accept it all. Okay. Uh, that was one of the few times that the 
spirit guide spoke to me in English. And I guess I yeah, jumped all around, but <clears throat> I started working with DMT in 2008. Mm-hmm. And my spiritual path had begun in 2000 when my kidneys failed. So I was 24 years old <clears throat> and I started dialysis because my kidneys didn't work. That led to, you know, my life taking different turns. In 2004, I started studying meditation. So for four years, I was meditating 45 minutes to an hour a day. Because I had attempted suicide years before, and I wanted to find happiness. And I realized that this meditation thing began to kick in my intuition. That little whisper that tells you to do something at a certain time began to be louder than a whisper. <clears throat> if anybody ever asks me, what's the point of meditation? Mm-hmm. My answer is to key you into your intuition. And once you connect to that, again, jumping around, <clears throat> what I found in DMT is that there are higher dimensional beings that are in contact with us and they communicate to us through the things we call intuition. Mm-hmm. So, so a lot of people that have experienced the, the DMT and it's pretty, it's pretty unilateral. I haven't heard a lot of people that have tried it and don't have a spiritual, um, you know, awakening. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, Mike Tyson just recently in 2019 took DMT and he, they do on, on ESPN, they have like a five-minute interview on them about it. Really? It's really, yeah, really cool. So, I mean, these things are coming. One of the things that, and I, I would consider myself very, like I want to know facts, mm-hmm. uh, very objective. But one thing that is quite objective to me is throughout all these experiences, all these people from different walks of life, no matter what the version of DMT they're doing, um, they have these experiences. They come back with these life altering. Sometimes people have messages, what they deem as messages, but they always explain it to be uber real. Josh, I mean, do you have, I know you have experimented. Yeah. Uh, I've never had like a full, full blown uh, DMT mm. experience, but I, I've seen those entities and I've seen uh, definitely what one would say would be uh, high, you know, higher dimensional like frequencies, so like I do believe that there, you know, there there are like higher dimensions, and we just cannot perceive them with our human brain. And psychedelics can. Yeah, Joe Rogan calls them. them geometrical patterns of love, light, and understanding, which is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> you know, MMA guy, big right. tough guy. You yeah, know. that's a decent. I mean, I tried to come up with the the descriptions that would be true for us all, mm. because there's. Each specific experience is unique, but the fact that we're having the experience, it's kind of like when you watch a movie, you know that there's a director, a writer, like all of this system to get that movie put together. That's the same way with these experiences. Mm -hmm. Like there's levels of intelligences behind. So I just call them non-physical intelligences. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, uh, I mean... On that note, I don't, uh, I can say that one thing 
is is for certain, and we I know we touched on this already, but too many people have experienced, and not only that, not only have they experienced certain messages, feelings, the spiritual awakening, but they've <clears throat> they've produced like um, Josh is is Mike Tyson starting the research facility? Is that is that uh, factual? I heard that. That's so, but. Regardless of, of who has tried it, right. they they all of a sudden feel this oneness and a better and and want to better the community and do something to 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 help humanity. Right, which is what is that that to me, spiritual or not in nature, that is a result. <laughs> so what you know, I have not tried it, mm-hmm. um, or I have tried it, but perhaps didn't do it right or whatever. Um, what do you? think you think that is a spiritual thing so that right so i definitely think it's a spiritual thing but it's like how do you define spirit okay right a lot of people have talked about the goddess when they gaia gaia right and so what is gaia gaia is the mind that is the planet herself Mm. and so she has if she was our mother, right? Like we we live within her. We we're almost like little larvae crawling across her body in some sense. Mm. <clears throat> but like we live within her. She has her own desires for humanity. She wants us to do certain things, but she's not forcing herself on us. So when people open themselves up to DMT, this is, you know, obviously my opinion they open themselves up to the frequency of her whisper. And now all of a sudden, I want to do this thing. I want to go help somebody. I want to, why do you want to do it? I don't know. I just feel it coming up within me. Hmm. They're hearing her whisper. They're basically changing the counsel that is advising the individual. What is, uh, that reminds me of a tribe. There's a tribe that I think it's Graham Hancock that says that they're actively trying to give Westerners uh, DMT or these experiences. I think they do it through ayahuasca. I don't know factually, but they're trying to get people to take them so that they can see what we're doing to the earth. And and it's funny because I think Graham Hancock says, you know, you think this is foo-foo type stuff, but he's like, these people are risking life and limb to try to produce something that's been ruled as illegal. And why would they do that? (laughs) <laughs> to, to to risk imprisonment, to risk, uh, right. you know, shunning or whatever it might be. So, like, I told you right just before that DMT is a cure for the cognitive, cognitive disease of Western scientific materialism. We have all been... Meaning. <laughs> Could you break so, that down? So we all went to public school, mm. and we were taught a certain concept of what reality is. And because of that, we think of a term like woo-woo, like ghosts aren't real. Why don't we think ghosts are real? Because we've been taught that it's impossible for them to exist. And so <clears throat> that feeling that... You, you said it. I'm a facts guy, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Oh, I need no, to I've have, got it, man. I'm a, <clears throat> I need to have my my science lined up. I'm a materialist. You gotta, right. But, but, I, but I, there's certain <clears throat> things that are starting to come along that, that are, like, for example, the fact that we're, you know, we, we've discovered quarks and, 
Um, it, obviously, science is pointing us to a place where, where the universe is much stranger than we give it credit for. Um, so some of these things are starting to be like, wow, okay, wait a minute. Um, just the, the, the recent that we're, that uh, they don't necessarily think that we're a flat universe now. They, mm. they think it may be. There's evidence to suggest the toroid. Yeah, yeah. Right. So some of that stuff is now starting to, you know, it's coming out, which lends credence to some of what you're saying. It's not necessarily evidence, but it does suggest that there's more to everything than we, right. you know. Because I had to, I had to abandon science when I realized that it was too slow. Okay. Right? Like, I, I was coming to truths that I was scientifically proving to myself through own experiment that science as a body completely denied. So I was either going to take their word for it and deny my own experience <clears throat> or realize that science can only move at a certain speed. And that speed is actually slower than the evolution of the mind of the species. Hmm. Now that, <clears throat> oh, that's pretty profound. I didn't think about it like that. Well, you do have scientists that, you know, for example, theory of relativity. Mm -hmm. You know, Einstein was, he, you know, a lot of people say he was a Christian. He believed in a higher whatever it is. Uh, I think pantheist is what he, what, what he subscribed to, which is kind of more closely related to like Gaia, you know, in my mind. But anyway, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he, he said that science and, and mysticism needed to interconnect. And I've seen that from what we consider to be the most groundbreaking of scientists that right. they're they're usually set aside from mainstream scientists they're usually pushed to the outside yeah. and then they <clears throat> get written out of history except if you're albert einstein and they just can't debunk <laughs> you <laughs> so like for instance um the theory of evolution mm -hmm. charles darwin right mm -hmm. that's how you know the theory when it originally came out it was the darwin wallace theory of evolution okay 50 years later you're only hearing Darwin. And now most people have no idea who Wallace was. You got me. <laughs> so both Wallace and Darwin presented the theory at the same conference. Because Wallace had come up with it. He was working in Indonesia. And he realized that evolution existed, but he thought that it didn't explain large leaps and that the need for a driving mind, a driving spirit had to be behind evolution. <clears throat> and... Hmm? No, yeah, go ahead. You're just jogging my memory. <laughs> Darwin was a much bigger name at the time. This is all... Terence McKenna is the historian that allowed me to have this knowledge. Mm -hmm. right? Terence McKenna is the patron saint of psychonauts. He is the grandfather to an entire generation yep. of us. Grant Terrence McKenna. Yeah. Oh. And Dennis, Dennis McKenna for carrying the torch. I mean, yeah, I'm not a big D fan. Oh, so. okay. okay. Not a big fan. I mean, he's, he's a great guy. But Terrence, he was the real thing. Okay. He was the, uh, yeah. There was, I mean, when I was going through my mania, when I first came in contact with DMT, I was at a, I was living in Southern California. I was a part of the burner community out there. I was having a great life, right? This woman introduced me to this, and I didn't break through the first time. But I had heard about DMT from Terrence McKenna, 
And I was like, really want to try this. And then one time she came, she brought me some, and she told me she made it. I was like, you made it? <clears throat> Got online, did some research. Within three months, I had gotten the recipe, gotten all the ingredients, and I made my own batch. And it was July 5th, 2008, when I did mine. <clears throat> and <laughs> I was on my friend Scooter's balcony. <laughs> we'll change the names. <laughs> Um, and I took my three hits because Terrence talked about beware of the dreaded underdose, right? So you always want to make sure you got more than you needed to get there. <clears throat> I took my three inhales and I mean, it's completely overwhelming. It's mind blowing how quickly this stuff comes over you. Usually, because I've led hundreds of people now on their own journeys. By the time they take their second hit, they think they've taken too much. You know, it takes... Yeah. That's what Mike Tyson said. He's <laughs> like, I done messed up, I done killed myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I took my three, and I, I was basically shot off into space. And I'm flying through, flying through space, and stars are flying past me. And then at some point, it just became this grid of light crossing over each other. And there was an Indian, like from India, type yogi man, man, very androgynous, sitting cross-legged and just floating in space. Mm -hmm. And I began having a telepathic conversation. And we're talking, and I'm like asking questions and then kind of answering them. And he's just there, like nodding, like nodding me along as I'm having these realizations. Like, if this, then this. And he's like, yes, yes. And at some point, he tapped me on my forehead. And then my body shot up and I just went into convulsions. And it felt like a like I was under a waterfall of light and information. And it was pummeling me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> It turns out, I mean, months later, I came across a picture and I was like, that's the being that I was talking to. And it's a being referred to as Babaji. Babaji. He was the same being person that came to a gentleman, Yogananda, who wrote the book, The Autobiography of a Yogi. Hmm. So, I mean, at that moment, I had an experience that proved that there was some spiritual being that could appear to me and appear to hundreds of other people over, I would say hundreds of years, but it gets fantastical, mm -hmm. right? So like that was, if I took that experience as real, then any system that denies that as a reality couldn't be correct. Or at least had limitations. Or, or I was about to say, or that's limited. Right. <clears throat> so, so yeah. So there's a lot to for people who have not experienced it, mm -hmm. uh, as myself, the blast off. Right. That was actually a really good. Some people struggle to retell what they experienced, but they swear up and down that it was the most. Some of these, and I wanted to touch on this, mm -hmm. the addictive nature, like. Uh, some of the some of the things that people say about DMT being addictive. This uh, this drug, there's no research to show that it's addictive, um, that it's any way harmful. In fact, our body 
naturally produces naturally produces it. And scientists are trying to figure out the correlation between it and dreams. Right. Um, but there's obviously some something there. So, but when you, I had to hear multiple stories mm-hmm. over and over again with these people. Like, like some people have taken it once, only once, and never did it again. And, right. And, and deem it the most, the the best part or the most influential part of their lives. Right. It's it's crazy to me. <laughs> um, so even though I, I, I've just heard too many people, Joe Rogan, Mike Tyson. Uh, just people I've encountered, whether they be atheists, whether they be Christian, whether they be, you know, whatever religious mm-hmm. affiliation, they're like, there's something to this. Um, so when you tell these stories, how do you wrap that up to explain to people? Like, how do you bring them into what the psychedelic does? <clears throat> well, like, so in regards to the uh, addictive part, yeah, right? <clears throat> so DMT is self-regulating. <laughs> meaning that when when you're done when it's done with you it gives you experiences of such a you're like okay i'm done it's so it can be so overwhelming that it literally scares you out when you're done or it just turns off you can smoke it as much as you want and you won't go anywhere hmm. <clears throat> which is kind of crazy that is that it is that how can or any are there is there any other known substance to man that is self-regulating like that not to i mean not to the best of my knowledge because the substance is only a, a technology that connects you to another group of minds but it's the minds on the other side that determine that are a part of what happens Hmm. and they can like, you can walk up to the door, load the pipe, smoke it, ring the doorbell. They can come up to the door and be like, we're closed today. Kind of like when you, when we send uh, shuttles into outer space, there's launch windows because to breach the atmosphere, you have to hit it at a certain angle at a certain time. And if you're not at that time, you won't be able to escape velocity. That's the same way with DMT. The substance itself only gets you so far. And then the administration of those experiences takes over. So that's where people talk about meditation, detoxing. And I mean, so yes and no. I mean, meditation definitely helps the psychonaut to learn how to navigate the space. <clears throat> but like when they want, when you are being called, it can be any time without any preparation. Right? Like, so the preparation stuff comes in when you begin to consciously like, okay, I'm going to work with this. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but the first few times in, it's usually they call you like some kind of accident happens that you find yourself in a place and somebody's offering you DMT, yeah. right? Like that's usually how it happens the first time. Like once I started holding circles, people would just hear about it and like, I don't even know, like my friend told me and I wound up at this circle and then, you know, they have their experience. <clears throat> Josh, what do you think? 
No, I yeah, I agree. Uh, but he is right that DMT is self-regulating, so you can't it, it can't really be abused. It, it, it's just impossible. It, 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 there's also you know what I mean actually almost every psychedelic has that. Like even like right. you can't trip too much on LSD or mushrooms. It, yeah. So, so that per say something like a, a, a drug like methamphetamine which people usually hear drug and they mm-hmm. immediately turn off, but obviously there's good, bad drugs. This is what most people de- deem as a medicine. Right. And, and there's evidence, real evidence, concrete evidence to, to show that it is. Um, I know, I mean, do, are you aware of any of those f- facilities that are working on like, I mean, a micro dosing for people? And <clears throat> I mean, I, I've, there's tremendous work being done with ketamine, mushrooms, MDMA, I don't know if there's much work being done on DMT per se, but it shows that these things, I mean, to me, the only difference between a medicine and a poison is dosage. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but they at first at some time deemed that all of these things were just poisons, but they're clearly not. Well, yeah. So one of the articles I read, cause I was trying to find, I try to find, you know, factual information on both <laughs> sides. And I ran into an article that was talking about uh, a gentleman that took DMT and how it's dangerous. And uh, this person took a thousand times the recommended dose. Okay. And there was other things that he had in his system as well that, that, you know, he did, but I, you know, as, as I was reading and I was like, man, if you, if you take a thousand times of water, (laughs) you know, uh, it's, it's not good for you. There's a thousand times of salt in your system will kill you. Right. Um, so that's exorbitant. And, and in addition, it wasn't really found that the DMT, that it was the case. It was other things that he had in his system. And what was the, like, did something permanent happen to him? Or did he just have a bad time? Uh, no, I, th- I mean, I think he had a psychotic break or something, but okay. there was also in the study, he had also been d- taking a lot of different other things. If, if anybody looks it up, I mean, it was really hard to find. Most of the research that I've, I have found is, you know, um, who, who was in the 60s, the the branch that was studying it before the Reagan administration, Josh? That might be a hard one to look up. But, you, you know, that's right. kind of where I'm going with this. People have, uh, they, they're saying that it, DMT um, can help soldiers with PTSD. Right. Um, various different kinds of trauma people have just let go. Uh, and that's when the psychiatrist said, you know, <laughs> there's things that you, years of my psychotherapy can't do that this drug is showing. Um, and it's it's showing across the board. <laughs> it's It's not a... Anomaly. It's it's people are taking it, and when they take it, they feel uh, they much better about different. things. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> cancer patients that had a uh, an anxiety of fear for death, and then once they they take some of these substances, no longer have a fear of death. One of the <clears throat> like that was actually one of the things that happens a lot. People one time, his name was Bubba. <laughs> he did it, and he came back. He's like, I don't fear death anymore. And he was somebody who carried tremendous anxiety. It, I mean, to, I'm not going to say it lasted forever, right? His anxiety creeped back in, train, but train. never back to the degree that it was. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like it always gives, it takes you a really far place and then you drift back, but you don't drift back all the way to where you were. Right. <clears throat> and I've seen one of my present clients, she came to me for anger issues. The alcoholism, she'd been an alcoholic for 10 years, 
wasn't even on the table. After three sessions, she stopped drinking. It's been seven months. And it's not like she had to go cold turkey. She can have a drink every once in a while. She just doesn't desire it anymore. Mm. It just it changes what you desire. Like we don't acknowledge that level. Like we just, well, this is what I desire. Well, where do the desires come from? Right? <clears throat> TV advertisement. <laughs> See, when no, it actually does. Like the, we are so much more than the us that's born. Like we exist before we're born. Like that is one of the things that I had to come to an understanding of. Right? Like we exist before we're born and we carry something with us. Right? And then we have to like tap back into those levels. But because we believe that I was born and who I am is a factor of my experiences and they created me, then I have to look in them to find the answers. But if I'm bigger than that, then I'm looking in the place to find the answers, but that's not where the answers are. Right? DMT allows even us who live inside of that box of reality to experience something out of it. And the answers tend to be in a place outside of what we think is, is our reality. Hmm. <clears throat> So, so I, I've tried it once mm -hmm. a little while back. I decided to wait on things, um, which is weird because it's not something I desire to do. It's something that, you know, maybe I'll try it again. Right. But uh, I had, I, I was fully in control of my body, which I hear is not necessarily, usually you take the it's and you were out for, what, 8 to 15 minutes, depending on the person. Depending, yeah. Yeah. So like you said, it, and it, it seems some people have different, Time limits, you know, that seems to be across the board, too. Uh, what I experienced was um, just basically some some geometric patterns. Mm -hmm. it, 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 what it's, it looked like when I cut, closed my eyes is that there were patterns. And I can only say that I saw, I guess, what some people refer to as a jester or, um, to me, it looked like a, the, um, like it would be the drama mask. So okay, kind right. of similar. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, when I saw, and it was only briefly, but when I saw this, I felt like a, like a sense of elation, like, and there was kind of like laughing, and I heard the words, or I, I, that that one part was kind of sim similar because uh, uh, what it, what it sounded like was they were saying, "Come back," like, mm -hmm. "Not right now, come back," you right. know. And it was one of those things where, you know, it was so for for me, someone that is. I guess we're in this world of materialism that, you know, that's kind of what I subscribe to. Mm -hmm. I couldn't rationalize what I was seeing, um, like subconsciously, like even when I tried to blame it on my subconscious, it seemed pretty damn real. Right. Uh, you know, I didn't, I was like, you know, if I, if it were, if my subconscious was wanting me to have a specific experience, like I was putting it into it, I would have never came up with that. Right. <laughs> like I, that was kind of my sentiment. I was like, that was, I don't know what that was, but that was definitely not you. And in, in the one part that I would say that in the future, uh, you know, if I tried it again, it would be, uh, it would definitely the, what, what was kind of a cool experience is hearing something that wasn't you, whatever that might be. Right. I didn't feel like it was me again. What was said, 
Like I wouldn't have said that to me, you right. know, right? Um, and uh, that that kind of piqued my interest even further, especially with the experience that I had heard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was, I was going somewhere with that. I for, totally <laughs> lost train of thought too. Well, you, you opened something up with the because you said you're a materialist, right? Uh, well, okay. So when I say mm-hmm. that, like I keep an open mind to things. Right. So, um, you know, I, I was brought on that up too. You know, like this is how things were and. You know, uh, it's hard to grasp once you, once you start studying things like even like the quantum physics. And I, I think some of the things scientists point to actually make the world a much stranger place. Mm-hmm. It's like, whoa, this is, it might be a little more to this. Right. Um, especially, you know, I try not to enter what Neil deGrasse Tyson calls the God of the gaps where, you know, everything that you can explain is some somehow religious, but there's things in in you explaining this, like for the fact that we know this table is ultimately moving. Mm-hmm. It's just moving at a rate that is much slower than our perception. Right. So these molecules are breaking down and, and ever slowly disappearing, but it's not. So in that sense of physical, I don't believe that. Like I do believe there's only our perception, which then kind of opens my mind to this stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like, <clears throat> I have uh, two different thought ideas that try to move people towards understanding the reality of the spiritual realm, right? So one of them is like the electromagnetic spectrum. When you look at a visual of it, you'll see, you know, it'll go from gamma to infrared, and you'll see a tiny sliver that's visible light, (laughs) right? Now... Every person that you've interacted with, every living dog, every exists within that spectrum. So all the minds that you've come in contact with have existed within that tiny sliver. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. So are we going to assume that mind doesn't exist anywhere else on the spectrum? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So, and if the other spectrums are simply spectrums that we don't perceive Mm -hmm. and mind could exist in those spectrums as well, that would be a, like why the spiritual realm would exist because there's different minds operating on those frequencies. Yeah. I've heard that. I mean, I've, I've, I've heard some of the people like, what's the gentleman, Josh, who talks about, uh, is it quantum reality? Something. Mm -hmm. Um, is it because I know what's it like quantum Sheldrake talks about okay. like something along those lines. Rupert right. Sheldrake. Yeah, so there's there's proponents that, you know, there is a that conscious is not um it's, it's science demonstrates this in some things, like, you know, we're working on uh, you know, technology that you feel that it's there, but it's not really there. You're you know, it's tricking your mind. Mm-hmm. So so they do know to a certain extent that, you know, our minds can't fool ourselves. So then it becomes a question, how do we know we're not already fooling ourselves? Like that this is all real and, or real as in we define it right. to be real. So, so yeah, some of those questions, I definitely, it's, it's, I'm skeptical. So, uh, so then another proof that I have is like my proof that the planet is a living minded being. Okay. That's yeah. You touched on that earlier. I want to hear it. <coughs> So proof A, right? I exist and you exist, right? 
I feel myself to be located somewhere in or around this body. Mm -hmm. This body is made up of Earth. It's just simply the material of the planet formed in a particular way, but it's clearly Earth. We're all stardust. I was stardust, but even stardust that has then been earthified, okay. right? Like yeah, it's, even further, right? Because it's in the atmosphere and it's moisturized. Because if it's in space, it just cracks up and it's just nothing. So it's kind of held in its own existence as Earth. So I am an intelligent being with personality located in Earth. So that proves that Earth has the ability and potential to house personality. Mm. There was something a scientist said that is a skeptic, so they're pretty much atheistic in their views. And it, it was something, a, this, I forgot the study of it, and I wish I could say it, but what the, what the assumption was is that nature, which would, you know they can demonstrate, has uh, some level of intelligence. It, you know, for example, the... Uh, I think uh, I think it was Terrence McKenna that talked mm-hmm. about the moss. Mm-hmm. Was it moss? What, what's the thing that basically mycelium? The, the, the that's mushrooms. Uh, there, well, it was on the it was on mushrooms. How fungus uh, basically they they put it on a map and it it rerouted the map and then once it re, this is an actual study. Josh, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like the the like the network of mycelium with mushrooms. Yeah, yeah. So so they put it in the tunnel system or they put it on. And grew it, and it followed the tunnel system, but then it found actually it started rerouting the tunnel system because the tunnel system obviously was flawed. Mm-hmm. So the it started taking easier paths, which demonstrates intelligence. This is what some people were, you know. But there was something that I that that they uh, and I can't remember. I wish that I could. <laughs> but the insinuation was is that nature evolution did something. And effort. Oh, it was about DMT. It's about the near-death experiences. So scientists can't explain why this happens. And one person said that it, it was a sign that evolution essentially uh, did that for people at death because um, to help them through. Like in other words, we still die and everything. We're gone, but that's just nature. Some like the uh, what is it? The near-death experiences were basically a system of evolution in order to make people feel better about death. And I was like, wait a minute, how can you say that? And then not say that that's some kind of intelligence. Like that doesn't make sense. From a logical standpoint, that is not, it's, does you see what I'm saying? I do see what you're saying. So when you said that, I was like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. If it, if that be the case. Right. So uh, like what, because remember how like the Egyptians, they worshiped the sun. Mm-hmm. Right, Ra, or Ra, whatever they call them, but you know, Ra, a tomb. Okay, <clears throat> so the same proof or idea that the planet would be alive, because there's no denying that I have personality. Mm-hmm. So that at least the planet has enough potential to have my personality, but then it also has your personality and seven billion other personalities. So it's a place that has all of these personality potentials just hanging around waiting to be born, and there's no limit to how many can be born. It's kind of crazy. (laughs) Right? So, okay, so that's the planet holding intelligence. Again, I exist. 
and I'm alive. And through that energy that's within me, I'm exuding my personality and my, my soul or whatever is inside of me, my uniqueness. But if I die, my body's still here. The matter's still there. But the personality is no longer expressed. So on some level, the personality is a part of the energy that's flowing through my body. Where is this energy coming from that flows through my body? Well, it's through the food that I eat and the air that I breathe. Well, food that I eat. And the energy that's in the food that I eat basically comes from the sun. So on some level, the energy that's flowing through me is the same energy that's coming from the sun. So if that energy is the force or the place where my personality resides, that energy would have to have the potential of personality to begin with. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, so so if light photosynthesis <clears throat> gives gives birth to plants and then we eat those plants and everything like that, fundamentally at the end of the day, kind of like how they say we're all stardust, mm-hmm. then it means that we're all light. It's right. Kind of okay. So I'm picking up what you put down. If that, if I have personality and I'm a portion of personality based off the light that's flowing through me, then the sun has personality. So this kind of, to me, from the religious aspect, um, it kind of has similarities throughout different. I mean, I'm no theologian, mm-hmm. but if you study more than one text, they kind of all it's pretty similar. What what is the thing where they say it, did did Jesus is this, is that a true thing? I know there's a someone wrote a book about how Jesus went to see the Buddha. Mm. Is this true? Yeah, yeah they talk about the up. years where he like disappeared. Yeah, no, because if you, you, you I mean if you look at the the New Testament and even the Old Testament and the or the New Testament is only when Jesus is there. There's like baby Jesus when he was born, and then there is like a gap. And then all of a sudden he's, uh, he's now 30 years old again. he's 30 years old, healing people. So it's like, what happened to those years? Uh, it's theorized. I'm going to look it up that, okay. yeah, he went to go, uh, he, you know, walked and went to study with the uh, Buddhist monks uh, and, and got, you know, kind of gained his or honed his spirituality from that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's a hypothesis, right? Now, yeah, one I'm gonna see. I mean, there might be some. Uh, yeah, pull it up. Uh, yeah. So this is a uh, disclosed TV. So yeah, it's, this is just a. Uh, it says deep BBC documentary proves Jesus was a Buddhist monk named Issa, but I always heard his name was actually Ishuas. And this is on Disclosed TV, which is kind of a conspiracy website. Uh, but BBC, that's not a conspiracy. Well, no, website. no. But that's, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out. That's they, public television in Britain. Yeah. So, so they're but, studying it. Uh, yeah. Here we go. Jesus was a Buddhist monk, and was it? So it isn't same same time frame then. Yeah. Hmm. So you know, one of the things that I find interesting mm-hmm. about DMT. And I would say there's some, uh, still hypothesis, but Moses seeing the burning bush, all <laughs> these different things. So we do know DMT is found in like all, a lot of different things in nature. Right. So, so why, how one person might be consuming it isn't necessarily how the next guy in the other country is, is using it. So right. there's all these different forms. Can you elaborate on that? Well, 
Correct me if I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. technically DMT is like in every everything, even grass. It's just not as concentrated, so right. it's, it wouldn't Ooh. make sense. Yeah, so it wouldn't make sense to, for example, extract DMT from grass. You'd have to have a ton of grass. <laughs> there's 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 a grass, Arundinacea something or other, that Phalaris, Arundinacea Phalaris, that has a high enough concentration of DMT that you could just dry that grass and smoke it and have a low level effect. So, so here's my hypothesis. Mm-hmm. Is it is it within the realms of possibility that all of these spiritual leaders across the world all DM, did DMT? DMT of some way or another. Eventually, yeah, and they just communicated it. And- I mean, I because like I believe that you can have a spontaneous spiritual experience, which would be an endogenous release of. A high dose of DMT. Oh, okay. Right. I've heard the, is it River Muddy Waters? Is that the, so there's a gentleman on YouTube that talks about that. How how credible is that? Um, I mean, I, 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 one, I believe it happens, right, to unique, would say gifted individuals. And I believe that you can, quote unquote, train it. But then you can also take in DMT <laughs> and have that type of breakthrough. But I do believe that it is a part of ours potentially and that the spiritual leaders that have come have either had their like a natural Mm. experience, but like the acacia bush, which is awesome for surviving drought. So it tended to be in the deserts is one of the trees with a high concentration of DMT. So whenever I heard the burning bush that's, story, yeah, about, that's the tree that I imagined him. That, like, yep. That's what they think Moses was <clears throat> tripping on. Doing, yeah, whatever he was doing on, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. It could be. Those things interest me. I, you know, at the end of the day, it's in everything. What, I mean, what's to say those guys didn't, you know, the, the one that trips me out, I mean, smoking, it's one thing. That mm-hmm. could accidentally, I could see that happening. But the people who actually had to combine it, like the people who right. made ayahuasca, like that's some scientific test. And, uh, you know, they well, they had to mix it with a root and right. then take that root and then break down the molecules so that you can consume it. M-A-O-I. Yeah, you can't. So you can't consume DMT or you can't eat DMT because it doesn't cross the blood brain barrier when eaten. So you have to take it with an M-A-O-I. Right, it gets, digi- it gets digested into nothingness. How yeah. could they have known that? So that's what I'm saying. How do yeah, they know? So, like, the reason why you say how could they have known that? Right, it feels like they couldn't because you don't accept that other levels of intelligences exist. Okay. Once you accept that they exist and that they're communicating to us all the time, mm-hmm. then it, it ceases to be a how did they know that? Well, I, I mean, it's <laughs> certainly a hypothesis. I don't know. The jury's not out on that one. Indeed. So but, your mm-hmm. your church. So so some of the some movements are happening. You have a church yes. where people can experience these things legally. Um. Well, I mean, in, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like, as if they came to if they came to come get me, then I would find out. I guess how legal it is, right? Like, supposedly, I can practice religion freely. Mm-hmm. Supposedly, there is no doubt that this is that when I practice this, it is my religious practice. Mm-hmm. Well, there are some places that do. I mean, that is part of their religious practice. They have. They. I. I do believe that they've allowed ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. 
<clears throat> but I don't know if there's been any case about smoked DMT. Okay. Wow. <clears throat> it might be the smoking thing that turns them off. It's, uh, I mean, who knows? Because there's no tribe that has ever worked with the smoke DMT. So they can say that there's no, yeah, this is, I'm telling you when I say that it's the cure for the cognitive disease of scientific materialism, Mm. you would need scientific materialism to then need the cure. Okay. So it's like, this is, this is ours. This is Western American culture's gift to the spiritual lore of humanity. Mm. (laughs) right we gave them the nuclear bomb and we've now given them dmt Hmm. and it's going to be our use of dmt that frees us from any potential of using a nuclear bomb again now that i don't disagree with i've never met a person who has tried these things and that i get a sense they want to do any harm to me (laughs) i mean for heaven's sakes you know mike tyson's job was basically to bash people's head in for a living and he, he was the greatest basher the world and, has and, ever seen and, and the man's now on espn crying and about his experiences like you know the guy stops him and he says he's like this is obviously very emotional for you and he's like yeah you know i mean a, yeah. when we look at the old testament mm-hmm. and we look at the way god is described in the old testament eye for an eye i'm gonna come in kill your wife and all your kids well, I'm not going to kill your wife and your kids. I'm going to kill you and your kids and take your wife. Right? Like slavery, all Yikes. that stuff. That was perfectly kosher in the Old Testament. Forward a few thousand years, New Testament comes out. Nah, God's more about love and acceptance. And it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, you're cool. All right? So now we're like, okay, you know, the different races can all serve the same God. But there's still some other shit. We are now at another point where we're going to come to a new understanding and it's going to make us even more of a single family as far as humanity wise. We're going to be more peaceful because we're not going to be trying to kill each other as much. Like it's and DMT, like America, right? We've been around for 200 years ish and we are a true synthesis of all the countries. Hmm. Right? Yeah. Like, so we're truly our distillation of the entire planet into a single people. And in this place, we have this substance that's creating a spiritual awakening. And it's going to reverberate out. Like, the world is becoming a beautiful place. I know it doesn't look like that. Some don't want that to happen. Exactly. Exactly. Like there are as many beings that feed off of distress. There's not as many. So like our emotions serve as food for other dimensional beings the way sunlight serves as food for plants. And depending on the emotions we exude is the garden that we're feeding. And then we then eat the fruit of that garden. Like this is the reciprocal nature. That's why angry people. Right now, that fruit is McDonald's. <laughs> we gotta get <laughs> right. Not great. Angry people. They feed their anger to such a point that they no longer have control over their anger because they've reinforced it to such a degree. <clears throat> As a culture, uh, greed has been our 
greed is our bugaboo. Like we love greed. Just give me, give me, give me. Right. And nothing else really matters. Like I can take a thousand monkeys and stick them with needles and see what the fuck happens to them because I'm going to make more money later. And as a culture, we say that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> We're, I mean, we have a sickness, mm-hmm. right? Like the very fact that we could choose to make bombs to kill people before we feed people. Yeah, that does make sense. <laughs> it's before we de- desalinate salt water. <laughs> we, you know, yeah, okay. I right? gotcha. And so we need a cure of that sickness. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what these are. That's what these psychedelics are. And the the wonderful thing about DMT is how democratic it is. I mean, I'm not a chemist by any stretch of the imagination, mm-hmm. right? I can cook. I can I can make food, right? That's the degree that's of, of my yeah. chemistry. That's and that's, too. that's all you need yeah. to be able to create as much DMT for yourself as you could ever need. Mm. <clears throat> Interesting. <laughs> so what are what are some of the outlets that someone could pursue this? Hmm. Where, where, where would be a good starting point? Joe Rogan? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, <laughs> but he narrated a documentary called DMT, The Spirit Molecule. Oh, that's right. In 1993, there was a study done at the University of New Mexico by, and I'm subbing on his name right now. Okay, I know who you're talking about. Uh, yeah. And who he, is that, Josh? He wrote the book, The Spirit Molecule, based off of that study that he did. Dr. Rick Straussman. Dr. Yeah. Rick Straussman. He accidentally did this, right? When he no. mess around with stuff and he... No, no, no. That was Hoffman when he, did, oh, when, okay. he found okay. D, when he found LSD. Oh, yeah. No, Rick Straussman, he went through all of the hoops that you had to go through to be able to legally do a study on DMT. And in 1993, he did that study, wrote a book off of that study, titled the book, The Spirit Molecule. And then in 2009, it was released. And then there was a documentary done of it. And Joe Rogan is the host, is the MC for that documentary. He's got the little lab coat on. Right. Like I've seen, yeah, I've watched it. That is where people should start. The Spirit Molecule. And how do people contact you? Ah, Anoka. So I'm I'm here in Nashville. Mm-hmm. I have a church, the Church of the Sacrament, and we meet once a month, uh, the first Sunday of the month. We have a service called Somatic Sunday. Because what I realized, like I was doing this stuff while I was in the festival culture, and the psychedelics was a big part, but the major part happened when I danced. The dancing connects a part of you with, so like when I'm speaking to you, there's a certain part of my brain that's in charge of the words I'm gonna say, Mm -hmm. right? When you dance, there's a different part of you that determines what move you're gonna do next. Mm -hmm. And integrating my conscious mind with that part of me connected myself to an intelligence and intuition that then is able to guide me in my life. So I found that as much as the psychedelic work, the time spent dancing and meditating was just as important. So my monthly church gets together and we dance. That's my service. So we call it Somatic Sunday. So I'm actually a dance instructor. Really? So what we call that 
And I, I have seen that uh, what we call that is just uh, muscle memory. It's just when it becomes second nature. <laughs> but obviously, some people are more intuitive than others. Right. You know, I, I had to learn painstakingly. So, so, but, but I could see when when other people just kind of had it, and that and that whatever that is is, you know, people you can subscribe different things to it. Right. But see, and I, you know, I have a, a larger view of what's going on, so. You know, I ascribe maybe, larger things to it. Maybe that's it. <laughs> well, this has been On Call with DMT. Check us out, guys. Thanks. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, yeah, Trevor. Absolutely. All right.